My friends, many people see the purpose of the hearings of the House Select Committee on the January 6th attack, which is scheduled to end this week, as building a criminal case against Donald Trump and his closest enablers, a case of seditious conspiracy, a crime defined in our laws as conspiring to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the government of the United States, or to oppose by force the authority thereof. I hope Trump, along with Giuliani, Powell, Stone, Flynn, Navarro, and other conspirators, are convicted and they end up in jail. But the committee's work has another critical purpose that is less well understood, to stop Trump's continuing efforts to overturn the outcome of the 2020 election and thereby sow distrust in all future elections. You see, Trump hasn't stopped giving speeches to stir up angry mobs with his big lie. He's actively backing candidates who also propound that lie. Several prominent Republican candidates for the Senate and for governor, J.D. Vance in Ohio, for example, and Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania, are repeating it. The lives of committee members and their families have been threatened. Witnesses are receiving gangster-like warnings not to cooperate. Republican candidates across America are using increasingly violent language. Republican lawmakers in several states are enacting legislation to take over election machinery or ignore the popular vote altogether. Within the next two months, Trump will likely declare his candidacy for re-election. The committee's message to all of America, including Republicans, is this. Stop supporting this treachery. In other words, the committee's work is not just backward-looking, revealing what occurred in the months and days and hours leading up to January 6th. It's also forward-looking, appealing to Americans to reject the continuing attempted coup. In order to do this, the committee is doing six things. First, it's making crystal clear that the continuing attempted coup is based on a total fabrication, which is why the committee has repeatedly shown Trump's Attorney General, William Barr, saying that there is zero basis for the allegations of fraud. Second, the committee is going out of its way to show that the issues it's examining have nothing whatever to do with party membership. It is a nonpartisan effort. Not only is the committee's vice chairman, Liz Cheney, a Republican, but most of the committee's witnesses are Republicans who worked in the Trump White House or as Republican elected state officials, or they staffed Republican legislators, or served as judges appointed by Republican presidents. All appear before the committee as American citizens who are disgusted and worried about Trump's attempted coup. When Cheney displayed a message, Trump tweeted after the assault on the Capitol had begun, in which he claimed Vice President Pence, quote, didn't have the courage to do what should have been done. Cheney asked former Trump White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson for her reaction. Hutchinson responded, I was disgusted. It was unpatriotic. It was un-American. We were watching the Capitol building get defaced over a lie. Third, the committee is appealing to Republican lawmakers, both in Congress and across America, to stop supporting Trump's continuing attempted coup. 
In the first televised hearing, Liz Cheney issued an explicit warning. I say to this to my Republican colleagues who are defending the indefensible. There will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but you are dishonoring everyone, and your dishonor will remain. Fourth, the committee wants the public to see that average working people, perhaps just like some members of the public who are still caught up in the big lie, have fallen for Trump's treachery with disastrous results. That was the meaning of witness Stephen Ayer's testimony, who described himself as nothing but a family man and a working man who got caught up in the Trump lie. Fifth, the committee has used every opportunity to remind Americans of their duties to the nation and of the meaning of democracy. Committee Chair Benny Thompson just last week said, when I think about the most basic way to explain the importance of elections in the United States, there's a phrase that always comes to mind. We settle our differences at the ballot box. Sometimes my choice prevails, sometimes yours does, but it's that simple. We count the votes. If someone seems off with the results, something seems off with the results, we can challenge them in court. We can, Then we accept the results. Others on the committee have spoken about the danger posed to our system of government by mobs and demagogues. Committee member Jamie Raskin said this, in 1837, a racist mob in Alton, Illinois, broke into the offices of an abolitionist newspaper and killed its editor. Lincoln wrote a speech in which he said that no transatlantic military giant could ever crush us as a nation. But if downfall ever comes to America, Lincoln said, we ourselves would be its author and finisher. If racist mobs are encouraged by politicians to rampage and terrorize, Lincoln said, they will violate the rights of other citizens and quickly destroy the bonds of social trust necessary for democracy to work. Sixth and finally, the committee has emphasized the ongoing nature of Trump's attempted coup. Near the end of last week's hearing, Cheney revealed that Trump tried to call a witness in our investigation, after the last hearing, that person declined to answer and referred to and the call to their lawyer. Let me say one more time. This is Liz Cheney. Let me say one more time. We will take any effort to influence witness testimony very seriously. Look, I have no idea whether these hearings will lead to criminal indictments of Trump and his enablers. But I do believe the hearings are finding their way into the public's consciousness. A criminal indictment or even conviction won't necessarily change the minds of those who believe Trump's big lie. It may make them even more suspicious or paranoid, possibly leading to further violence. But the six ways the committee is using to convince America not to support Trump's or his wannabes continuing attempt to thwart American democracy may ultimately prove as, if not more, enduring. In 1954, I watched the Army McCarthy hearings from our living room sofa, my father and I squinting into a tiny television screen, my father yelling, son of a bitch, 
every time McCarthy or his chief counsel, Roy Cohn, spoke. McCarthy had picked a fight with the U.S. Army, charging lax security at a top-secret Army facility. The Army hired Boston lawyer Joseph Welsh to make its case. At a session on June 9, 1954, McCarthy charged that one of Welsh's young staff attorneys had ties to a communist organization. As the television audience looked on, Welsh responded with the lines that ultimately ended McCarthy's career. He said, quote, Until this moment, Senator, I think I never really gauged your cruelty or your recklessness. When McCarthy tried to continue his attack, Welsh angrily interrupted, quote, Let us not assassinate this lad further, Senator. You have done enough. Have you no sense of decency? Almost overnight, McCarthy's immense national popularity evaporated. Censured by his Senate colleagues, ostracized by his party, and ignored by the press, McCarthy died three years later, 48 years old, and a broken man. Is there a lesson here? 